Today we're continuing our series of messages called 2020 Vision. And we're doing this, we're putting on our gospel glasses and looking at a number of very important topics from God's point of view. Now, last week, does anybody remember the topic we looked at last week? Yeah, failure. Good. Yeah, I gave you a quiz on failure, and some of you failed the quiz on failure, so <laughs> that's okay, because God wants us to get up and keep going, right? So today, we're going to look at a topic that really is so important, and that topic is loneliness. Now, what do you think of when you hear the word loneliness? I decided this week as I was working on the message just to type the word loneliness into the Google search box. And in less than one second, I had 50 million responses. You know, a little overwhelming. But I wanted to share this definition from Wikipedia because it's really pretty good. It says that loneliness is this, a complex and usually unpleasant emotional response to isolation. Makes, makes sense, right? But then it says this, it typically includes anxious feelings about a lack of connection with other people both in the present and extending into the future. Now, isn't that interesting? Loneliness is not just something that we experience today. It's something we worry about experiencing down the road in the future. Now, I also wanted to share some thought-provoking quotes about loneliness. And here's the first. This is from Mother Teresa. She says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. And then this statement from Norm Cousins, a professor, he says this, the eternal quest of the individual human being is to shatter his loneliness. And this is from science fiction writer Kurt Vonnegut. He says this, what should young people do with their lives today? Obviously many things, but the most daring thing, think about that, the most daring thing is to create stable communities in which the terrible disease of loneliness can be cured. So we realize that this is part of the human condition, this profound loneliness that we experience. Now, I also found some rather amusing tweets about loneliness that I wanted to share with you. And here's the first. It says this, sometimes when I'm feeling lonely, I post something cryptic on Facebook and wait for my mom to call. <laughs> Good strategy, right? What about this one? Note to self, if you're in a room full of people and you still feel lonely, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just in the wrong room. And here's a, I think this is a pretty inventive strategy to cope with loneliness. If you are lonely, dim all the lights and put on a horror movie. After a while, it won't feel like you're alone anymore. Now, as we look at loneliness today from God's point of view, I want us to do this. I want us to consider the experience of a man named Paul, follower of Jesus in the first century, and he writes his last letter. This is in the New Testament. It's the, the letter to a, a young disciple named Timothy. And by the way, if you're using one of the Bibles that we provided, that's going to be on page 965. But there's some really important questions that I want to consider. And the first question is this. You know, what causes loneliness? What are some of the primary causes? And here's what we're going to see. There really is nothing new under the sun. The things that cause Paul to be lonely are the things that cause us to be lonely as well. And here's the first thing that causes loneliness, transitions, transitions. As Paul writes this letter, he's facing a major transition in his life. And he's looking back, and this is what he says in 2 Timothy. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And then he looks ahead. Now, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. 
And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now, Paul knows that his death is imminent. And he's going through a big transition in his life. And right now, as he writes this letter, he feels lonely. And that's true for us as well, isn't it? When we go through times of transition, we often feel lonely. I mean, think about the experience of moving to a new house or taking on a new job or entering a new season in your life. You know, just looking out this morning, I know that some of you are empty nesters. And so you know when you go into that season of your life, when the kids leave home, there's a sense of loneliness because the routines are not the same. You don't have the same number of people around the dinner table. You don't have that person to talk to whenever you want. And so that creates a sense of, of loneliness. And, and sometimes there's this other kind of transition that takes place in families where kids grow up and they don't just leave home, they actually get married to somebody else. And now your role as a mom or a dad is different in their lives, and that has to be worked out and redefined, and sometimes that can cause some what? Some loneliness. And not only that, but you know, many times as we enter the winter of our lives, as we get older, we start to have fewer friends. And for many people, that causes a sense of loneliness. So what causes loneliness? Well, the first thing is transitions. But here's something else, and this is, again is from the life of Paul, separation, separation. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Now, one of the chief causes of loneliness is being separated from people that you normally spend time with. Now, think about this. If you're a parent, that first day of preschool, that first day of kindergarten, was there a sense of loneliness? Well, yeah, because there was this separation that took place. And sometimes, you know, we even experience that here in the church nursery. You know, a baby is left in the nursery for the first time, and there's a sense of loneliness when mom or dad are sitting out here and, and the little baby's in the nursery. Or think about this, summer camp. Anybody ever send your kids off to summer camp and they feel lonely and you feel lonely? I remember um, years ago when my um, youngest son, John, was going away to college, and Chris and I drove him out of state, and we moved him into his dorm room, and we got in the car to leave, and man, this whole wave of emotion hit me, and I just was realizing, hey, I'm feeling pretty lonely. There's kind of this, this hole in my heart. But isn't that true when we go through these times of separation? You know, sometimes it's because you have a long-distance relationship with somebody. Um, military families feel this, right? Because you're separated from friends and family. And then there's the, the loneliness that comes because of divorce or the death of a loved one. Or, or it could be this. <clears throat> I was thinking about it this morning because I often pray for uh, believers who are in prison. Think about the loneliness of being in prison, of being separated from the people that you normally spend time with. There are such strong emotions associated with being separated that cause us to be lonely. So what are the causes, again, of loneliness? The first one is transitions, separations, and the next is this, opposition, opposition. And Paul faced opposition to the mission that Jesus had given him a number of times. And we see that in this letter because he writes this, and he says, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too, Timothy, should be on your guard against him because he strongly, and what's the next word? He opposed our message. You know, there are times when people are opposing us and we feel all alone. You know, maybe you've experienced that at work. You know, you're trying to move a project forward and nobody seems to be on your side. They actually seem to be opposing you and you feel lonely. It can happen in marriage. 
You know, you and your spouse can be on separate sides of an issue or a situation, and so sometimes what do you do? You retreat. You go to your corners, right? Sometimes um, parents will do this. They decide they're not going to speak to each other for a while, and so they send their kids as messengers. Tell your mom this, tell your dad that. See, opposition is a major cause of loneliness. And then there's another, and we're going to review these. Transitions, separations, opposition, and the, the last one is rejection. Rejection. And here's how Paul um, talks about this. This is in verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says this, At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Now, Paul's talking about a hearing that takes place in a Roman court, and nobody shows up to support him, nobody shows up to defend him. And maybe you've been through a situation like that in your life. It was a really tough situation you were going through, and you thought that people would be there for you, and they weren't. And you felt really, really lonely. You know, maybe as a kid growing up, you had a parent who walked out of your life, and you felt alone and abandoned. I know that a number of people in our church family have had parents die when they were kids. Remember, my mom died when I was a teenager. And man, that leaves a hole in your heart. And you often feel really, really alone. And then there are people who have been through the pain of a divorce. And that produces profound loneliness, a sense of rejection, a sense of isolation, a, a marriage that's just so broken. And it doesn't just affect mom and dad, it affects the kids in really profound ways as well. And so church family, there are all these ways that people experience loneliness. But I think there's a really important question to ask, and it's simply this, why does it hurt so much? Because we know that it does. But why does loneliness hurt so much? And here's the answer, because we were created to experience a close connection with God and with others. God made us to be connected to him and connected to other people. Check out this Bible verse from the beginning of the book, from the book of Genesis. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Today is an important day in our country, and especially in churches around the nation. It's called Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And it's a day when we affirm that Every human being is valuable because every human being is made in whose image? We're made in the image of God. And we are valuable from the time of conception until the time of death. And being made in the image of God not only means that we're valuable, it also tells us this, that we were created for community. That we're hardwired to be connected to God and connected to each other. See, God is a perfect example of what it means to, to live in community. Because the Bible is clear. How many gods are there? One God, but this one God exists in how many persons? Three. It's the idea of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God is in perfect harmony with himself. No relational rifts, no conflict. And think about this. At some point in time, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there's, there's a plan to create the first two people. And who would that be? Adam and Eve. And they're invited into this circle of three. Now there's a circle of five. And it's a perfect circle. They're perfect relationships. But at some point in time, we don't know when this happened, Adam and Eve disobey God. They decide to go their own way instead of God's way, and that sin shatters the unity of that circle. And now, for the very first time in their lives, Adam and Eve experience what? Loneliness. 
profound loneliness, and so do we. And this is something really, really important to realize. The fundamental cause of loneliness in your life and in my life is sin. Because sin is a failure to love God and to love people the way that God created us to do. Now, if you think about that story in Genesis, when Adam and Eve disobey God, what do they do? They hide, exactly. And there's that account, you know, where Adam and Eve are hiding and God comes walking through the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam finally says, hey, I'm over here hiding. And, and when he's asked, why are you, are you hiding? Do you know what he says? Because I was afraid. The first emotion mentioned in the Bible is fear. And there's this progression. We're afraid, so we hide. And because we hide, we become lonely. Do you see how that works? Now, let me ask you this. When Adam and Eve um, first started their relationship, how much money did they have in their um, budget for clothes? Yeah, nada. They had no money for clothes because they didn't need any clothes. And it says they were naked and unashamed. And, and here's the thing. They were exposed to each other physically, and there was nothing to hide and nothing to fear. But that was true of their hearts as well, right? That they knew each other's hearts, and there was nothing to hide. There was nothing to be afraid of. But sin changed all of that. And that's true for us. See, because of sin, we become afraid, and we hide. And because we hide, we become lonely. And the fear is this. You know, if you really knew my heart, if you really knew the stuff that I think, if you really know what I've done in the past, you wouldn't what? You wouldn't like me. You wouldn't love me. And so that fear causes us to hide because I'm not going to really let you know who I am. But when I do that, what do I experience? Loneliness. And this is what's so important. See, there's this, this truth that God shares in his word, and it's, it's bad news at first because how many of us have sinned? Yeah, all of us have. And that sin separates us from God, but it also does what? It separates us from each other. And the fact is that unless God does something about that separation, we are going to die and experience, check out this phrase, eternal loneliness. Think about it. We're isolated from everything good, from God. I mean, that is what Jesus talked about. That's the hell that Jesus described. It's an experience of eternal loneliness. But God, in his great love, says, you know what? I don't want you to be eternally lonely. And so God does something. And again, that story in Genesis chapter 3, God gives the very first gospel promise in Genesis 3 that deals with loneliness. Because he knows that Adam and Eve are going to leave. They're going to leave the only home they've ever known. They're no longer going to walk and talk with God. He knows the loneliness in their heart. And so before they're forced to leave the garden, he makes a promise. He says, there's going to be a baby born through Eve one day who is going to reverse this curse of loneliness and separation. And we know who that baby is, don't we? Because on one dark night in an obscure village on the outskirts of some Roman town that nobody ever heard of except for the Jewish nation, in Bethlehem a baby is born. And this baby, this Messiah, grows up and he loves his father perfectly and he loves people perfectly. And he shows us the way to deal with our loneliness. But in order to reconcile us to God and to reconcile us to each other, there's a path that he has to travel, and we know that path leads him to the cross. And church, this is so important. God's final solution for loneliness is that. It's the cross. I want you to look at these words. This is a statement from Jesus as he is dying on the cross. It says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And do you see the significance of those words? 
See, on the cross, God is willing to, to put our sin on Jesus. And for a brief moment in time, God the Father looks at his son and he sees the horror of human sin and God abandons his son. And that's why Jesus cries out, my God, speaking to God the Father, my God, speaking to the Holy Spirit, why have you both abandoned me? We've had this perfect harmony. The Trinity has been unbroken until now. It's been ripped apart. Now, why would Jesus go through that experience of dying utterly alone so that we wouldn't have to? That's how great his love is. And when he is raised from the dead, when there is this, this new life possible by trusting him, that's what he invites us to experience. You don't have to be lonely anymore. You don't have to suffer separation and isolation. I want you to come and follow me. I want you to do the AB3s. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe with all your heart that I'm the son of God who died for your sins. You choose to follow me. You make a commitment to follow me, and you'll have a new life. But church, here's, here's the question. How do we experience this new life that takes us away from loneliness? What do we need to do every day to deal with our loneliness? And the answer is found in a story in the Bible. It's about a time that this, this Jewish... Um, leader comes to Jesus and he's trying to trick him. He's trying to ask him this question about the law. And the reason this was such an important thing is that, well, for the Israelites, the law was everything. It was their identity. You know, Moses had given them the Ten Commandments and, and this was something that gave them meaning and purpose. So this was no small question when this Jewish religious leader says, hey, Jesus, here's a question. What is the greatest commandment in the law? And many of you know the answer that Jesus gives. But I want to show you why it's so important when it comes to loneliness. Because here's the answer. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus makes this profound statement. All the law, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's like Jesus is saying, here's the ball game. Love God and love each other. Because when you don't do this, when you fail to love, you will experience a deep and profound loneliness. So here's the question. What can we do to overcome our loneliness? And I want to point out some really practical things. And here's the first, and this is on your outline. Come to Jesus and develop a friendship with him. That's where it starts. You come to Jesus and develop a close friendship with him. Now, in the Bible verses that we're looking at, Paul appears in this Roman court. There's a hearing, and he says, you know, everybody deserted me. Nobody supported me. But then he goes on and he makes this statement. He says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. You know, that is an incredible statement. And listen, Christian, this morning, I want you to realize this. Whatever you're going through in your life right now, the Lord is standing by your side and he wants to give you his strength. I was thinking as I was working on the message this week uh, about an experience that I had a couple of years ago. I've shared this um, before, but it was the experience of, of knowing that I wasn't alone and that Jesus was right there by my side. Um, I had the opportunity to travel to Nigeria um, in Africa to the city of Lagos, one of the, the ten largest cities in the world. And I was going there to work with a team of people to plant a church. And I was traveling with one of the pastors from Spanish River Church, Ron Tobias, so we, um, we left Fort Lauderdale, went to Atlanta, went to Amsterdam. And when we got to Amsterdam, um, I was looking for Ron as I got off the plane. I couldn't find him anywhere, so I was able to get him on a cell phone. And he said, hey, I, I got really sick. I'm in the clinic here at the hospital in the airport. 
he says, but I want you to get on the plane. I want you to go to, to Nigeria because what we're doing is really important and you need to go and represent us. And I said, okay, I'll go. So I run through the airport. I barely make it onto the plane. And the plane takes off and I realize I don't even know where I'm going. I don't have any of the contact information. It's all in Ron's phone. And I'm thinking, oh, this isn't good. And then, this is really funny, he sends me a text message. He says, hey, Dudley, just wanted to let you know, the person that was supposed to pick us up at the airport, he can't make it. <laughs> and then he says, okay, here's what you do. When you get outside the airport, look for somebody holding up a sign with your name on it. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm not alone. Jesus is right here by my side. And listen, I had a lot of time to think about it because it took about 14 hours <laughs> to fly from Amsterdam to Lagos. And so I get off the plane, and I mean, the airport is unbelievable. It's like an anthill. There's so many people. And then the power grid goes down. And I'm standing there. It's 10 o'clock at night, total darkness. And I'm thinking to myself, but it's okay. I'm not alone. Jesus is right here by my side. And then, just, just so God could really drive this message home, because, you know, this is a faith-building opportunity for me, um, I finally clear customs, and I've got my one little suitcase and I'm trying to get to the door because I want to find that person with the sign with my name on it. And this guy in a, in a military outfit points at me like this and motions me over. And there's this little table in the corner. And he tells me to put my suitcase up on it. And then he says to me, he says, I don't know what's in the suitcase, but I'll tell you this. Unless you give me money, you're never going to see the exit of this airport. And I thought to myself, okay, here's what's going on. This guy saw me walking over here. And he thought I was all alone. But what he didn't see, what he didn't realize is, hey, Jesus is right here by my side, giving me his strength. And so what I did is what I've done in other situations because I was coached to do this years ago in, in South America. I just said, you know what? You have a nice day. And I just grabbed my suitcase and headed for the door. And uh, I got through the door, and as soon as I got outside, there was a person standing there with this little piece of cardboard with two words, Dudley Hodges. And I just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for always being by my side. And I share that story because I want you to know that whatever you're going through, no matter how difficult or painful or hurtful or scary, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he is always by your side. And here's the thing, church. It isn't just that Jesus is with you. He's for you. He is your friend. And you know, I just, to this day, I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around this idea that the creator of the universe, the one who dies on a cross and rises from the dead, is my friend. But who said that? He did. In fact, look at this verse. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says this to them. I no longer call you servants, because the servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you what? Friends. We're friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. So listen, if you want to overcome the loneliness in your life, come to Jesus again and again and cultivate your friendship with him. And honestly, one of the best ways to do that is by reading the stories about Jesus in this book. There's four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I continually read through the Gospels. I'm almost through the Gospel of Mark again. And every time I read it, I see something new because my life is changing and Jesus is explaining that he's always with me, that he's always for me. I was thinking about this. Um, how many of you have seen this new Netflix series called Messiah? Anybody here? A few? 
Yeah, it's a really interesting portrayal of what it might be like if Jesus were to come back. And even though it's not faithful to Scripture, it raises some really interesting questions about what Jesus would say or what Jesus would do. Well, if you really want to know the answer to that, read the book. That gives us an impression, an idea of what Jesus would say and what Jesus would do. And that's how we deepen our friendship with him. Now, here's another way that you can overcome loneliness. Cultivate an awareness of God's presence. Cultivate an awareness of God's presence. Look at this verse from James. It says this, draw near to God and God will draw close to you. And church, this is what we do every Sunday that we worship. We draw near to God with the expectation that God's going to do what? God's going to draw near to us, that he's going to meet us in this place. Now, one of the best ways to draw near to God is by talking to God. Now, here's a verse about that. It says, rejoice how often? Always pray when you need to. What does it say? Yeah, continually, all the time. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you. This is what God wants you to do. This is what God has purpose for you to do. Now, you've heard me talk about a certain kind of prayer, and this is nothing new. It's been going on for hundreds of years. They're called breath prayers. It's a prayer you can say in one breath. Just to remind yourself, hey, I'm not alone. God's with me. Hey, God, thanks for being with me. God, I need you. God, I'm afraid. God, please give me wisdom. You can say those prayers to remind yourself that God is right there with you. And check out this promise that God gives us through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, when you get serious... When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God will make sure that we find a connection with him. And there's one final way to overcome loneliness, and here it is. This is really important. Connect with God's people. Connect with God's people. Now, I was thinking about the experience of Paul because he had some really difficult things that happened in terms of people. I mean, people deserted him, people hurt him, people opposed him. And I'm sure there were times when Paul thought, you know what, I'm just done with people. Is there an island I can move to? Have you ever felt that way? Okay, there's an honest answer. Yeah, I think all of us have gone through that from one time or another in our lives. Where, you know, I just want to be done with people at least for the next 24 hours. But here's the thing, Paul never gave up on people because he understood the gospel. He understood that Jesus died so that he could be reconciled to God but reconciled to other people. And I want to show you this verse because it's at the end of this letter, last letter that he writes. And it, at first it seems like, well, it's just a bunch of names, a bunch of travelogue. But take a look at this. Paul says to Timothy, hey, um, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anisophorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Tropimus um, sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. There's a lot of names in there. What does that tell you about Paul? He was connected to these people. He knew their names. He knew their stories. And Paul knew this, that he would never accomplish God's purpose for his life alone. Do you realize that's true for you and for me? We cannot accomplish God's purpose for our lives alone. We need to connect with other people who are followers of Jesus Christ and accomplish this purpose together. Now, I want to give you a really, really practical way to do that. Now, earlier I said I was going to give you some more information about this church-wide adventure, um, 40 days. Um, it's a spiritual journey that we're going to take together called The Time to Dream. And let me just say this. One of the most important aspects of this adventure 
is forming some new small groups. Now, there's really three purposes um, for the spiritual adventure, and some of you have been through these adventures before. One is we want to grow spiritually, you know, individually and as a church. We want to be on the same page as we study certain things together to create unity. But a really powerful purpose is for us to find ways to get to know each other, to get to know each other's stories, to learn each other's names, and we do that by forming small groups. Now, inside your program this morning is an insert. Um, it says, Time to Dream, and it says, The Power of a Small Group. Now, in order, to, in order to form small groups, we need some people who will host and facilitate small groups. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you take a look, here's what a host does. Um, H-O-S-T, have a heart for people. Open your home or host at the church. And again, this is going to be for one night a week for six weeks. Serve some snacks. That's really important to be a good host or hostess. And tell your friends. Invite people to be a part of that small group. So here's the thing. If you are able to be a host, that would help us form more new small groups. And we also are looking for people who can be facilitators. Now what that involves, we're going to have a video teaching by Pastor Rick Warren, and then a person that kind of guides the discussion, and there's a handout, there's training to do that. But we really need people in our church family that are willing to step up and to serve as host and serve as facilitators. And you may want to serve both roles. Because you say, hey, I'll open my home or I'll come to the church and I can host and I can also, you know, lead the discussion. But I really want you to take a look at this because it says, yes, I'm interested. Please contact me. Now, I also want to um, just sh share something that I'm very encouraged about. Um, there's a couple in our church, and Chris and I met with them on Wednesday. Um, I see them here this morning, Walter and Ann Moody. Could you guys just stand up for a second? Um, they have graciously accepted our invitation to lead our effort to form these groups. And so, yeah, we can thank God for them already. That's a wonderful thing. And so they're going to help organize and oversee this and encourage and, and support our hosts and our facilitators. But after the service, they're actually going to be at the um, place in the lobby where you've got you know, this handout. And if you'd like to ask them questions or talk to them or sign up today, that would be terrific. And, and church, let me say this. Um, God wants us to share our lives with each other. And we know that. I mean, the scripture is really clear about that. And here's, here's something else. The world is full of lonely people. We know that. I mean, the church is full of lonely people, right? And the church is really a, a microcosm of the church. I was reading this thing um, just this week about um, social media. And, and think about the ways that we see this, this need for connection. I mean, think about um, the proliferation of online dating sites. They're all over the place. Or the phenomenon of social media. Um, this thing that I was reading about Facebook said the average person on Facebook has 338 friends. It also said that women have a lot more friends than men on Facebook. That's not a, a newsflash for any of us, but here was the thing on the survey. It said, um, so of these 338 friends, how many of them could you count on in a crisis? You can count the answer in one hand. And so here's the thing. If you want some friends that you can count on in a crisis, there's two suggestions. Form a close relationship with Jesus because he's not going anywhere when the crisis hits. And form some close relationships with people in your church family because this is so important. Let me just say this in closing. We've been going through this series called 2020 Vision and I keep saying, put on your gospel glasses because here's the most important thing. The, the foundational answer to the, the problems, the, the pain, the challenges in your life and mine, the foundational answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's certainly true when it comes to loneliness. 
Because think about this. You know, what is a cure for loneliness? Jesus. Because when you trust Jesus, now you're connected with God. Now you have this connection with your Father that you were made to enjoy and experience. But it gets even better because it's not just this vertical connection, it's a horizontal connection with people in your church family. And so listen, as a Christian this morning, we should be so incredibly thankful that God has a cure for our loneliness. And we should be so thankful that we want to share that cure with others. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. You know, in February, we're going to be launching, you know, this, this initiative. But it isn't just for our church family. It's for the people that God's brought into our lives. Because you can invite them to come to a small group. You can invite them to come to a worship service. Because guess what? They're lonely. And they need to know what you know that there is hope, that there is joy, that there is a connection possible with God through faith in Christ. Because, church, the bottom line is this. Because the gospel is true, you are not alone. Thank you.